welcome to the ministries of the Bohomi Baptist Church, where we worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, fair before Him in all the earth. And the pastor is Reverend Nelson. Be blessed by the sermon that you're about to hear. something but then I changed the, 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 something laid at my heart and I changed it completely because the last time I preached I spoke about the heart of repentance and it, laid, it was laid on my heart that there's some more that needs to be said on that topic so I'm, I'm being obedient to that and Today's message is a continuation of the last time I was up here when I preached on the heart of repentance. The heart of repentance. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we just come before you, just want to thank you, Lord. We give you honor, we give you praise, we give you the glory for what you have done in our lives and what you will continue to do within our lives, Lord. As we are about to get into the word, we pray, Lord, that this word will not be turned to you void. We pray, Lord, that every word that is spoken through my mouth, my mouth, Lord, let it be your words, Lord. Let you be in charge. Let the Holy Spirit teach, because you are the teacher, Lord. So, Lord, we pray, God, for every person that is in that is in attendance this morning, and those who are listening online, those who are watching on Zoom, Lord, that they are blessed by every word that is spoken this morning, and and they are they are moved, and that if, if there's any sin. If there's anything that I hope they're harboring against one another, Lord, let that be released, Father God. Let that be changed for the glory and the honor of God, Father God. Let, let, us, let us truly represent you as citizens of heaven here on earth, Father God. And if there's any among us that have not accepted you, as, as not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior, let today be that day, Father God. No matter how old or how young they may be, today can be that day for them. And those who need to change their life around, repent and change their lives and restore their lives back to Christ, Father God. Let today be that day for them as well also. That they, they return their lives back to Christ, Lord, and they can serve you wholeheartedly in spirit and in truth. Glorify yourself, Lord, as we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Originally, the text that um, we read from was Psalms 119, verses 9 through 11, which I'll quickly read. It says, How can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hidden, hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. But we're also going to add Psalms 32 to this. So I'll take your Bibles with me and turn, turn to Psalms 32. We're going to read the entire Psalms. This Psalms is a very special Psalms dealing with this topic of the heart of repentance. Psalms 32. I will read. 
Matter of fact, let's all read Psalms 32 together. Let's begin. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputed not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Let's take a pause. Um, let's all stand for the reading of the word. Let's continue with verse 3. When I kept silence, my bones waxed cold through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of the summer. Selah. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou hast forgiven the iniquity of my sin. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me above with songs of deliverance. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in it with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusted the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice in righteousness, and shout for joy, all you that are upright in heart. Amen. You may be seated. The heart of repentance. When I first touched on this topic, I touched on, we've learned in our repentance about having a torn heart that was illustrated by King David in 1 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. And we have to also behold God's glory in our repentance. But first, let us look at the word repent. The definition of that word. Let's break it down. The word pent, P-E-N-T, which is not commonly used now, but it is a word. It means to think. R-E, re, is a grammatical stem that you add to a word, and when you add that grammatical stem to a word, it changes the definition of that word. So re is added to pent, the word is now repent. So now, the, word, the definition of the word is now to change the way how you think. Repentance, by definition, is the acknowledgement, confession of, and turning from the sins that one has committed, both in terms of what one believes and how one behaves. If we revisit 1 Samuel chapters 11 and 12, we read about the story with King David when he saw Uriah, who is one of his soldiers, his wife, taking a shower. 
when he saw her, he saw her beauty, he summoned her to come. They had relations and they had a child while his soldier was away to war. And therefore he set up, he set it up where Uriah could be killed in war in order for him to marry his wife. And for that he was punished for that son that he had, he had with Uriah's wife, which now became his wife, died. And that's where Psalm 51 was born when he wrote that psalm. And in verse 4 of Psalm 51, he says, Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. He also goes on to say, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with your generous spirit. Now this is just one of the many examples that is in the Bible pertaining to repentance before God. But I say this, what is it now when you have to repent towards people? Because we can do people wrong, but do we apologize about that? Or do we just continue with our merry go away? Like everything is fine. When you are aware that you did something wrong to someone, whether it be verbally, physically, or emotionally, how is that matter resolved according to scripture? First, it starts with honesty, being honest with yourself. Understanding the power of forgiveness and the restoration in God through repentance. So these things is what we're going to cover this morning. Firstly, honesty. Reading from the expanded version, verse 2 of our text says, Happy is the person whom the Lord does not consider guilty and in whom there is nothing false. Now, let's come to the realization we all need to repent. We all need to repent and repentance requires honesty. You cannot repent unless you are honest with yourself about anything. If you're repenting to God or if you're repenting to someone that you love, you have to be honest with yourself. Otherwise, there is not, is not true repentance. So honesty is key when it comes to repentance. For those who have accepted Christ as their Lord and personal Savior, when you made that decision to change your life, to, to let him be the Lord of your life, did you think for yourself that your life is fine? I'm just adding Christ, but I'm already living good. What was, what was your mental thinking about yourself before you made that decision? Or you just want to be in thing? Everybody accepting Christ, I go join Christ too, but I go still live how I want to live. Is that your mentality? Is that your thinking? 
for each and every one of you that have made that choice for your life. Where were you mentally when you made that decision? That's a question that only you can answer for yourself. Did you believe in him to secure your life eternally? Like, accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now I know I'm going to heaven. I could still live how I want to live. I accept Christ. I'm going to heaven. Is it, just, is, it, is it like that? Because there's a scripture that says there will be many that will say, Lord, Lord, I heal in your name and say, I do not know you. That's in the word. That's in the word. I do not believe anyone comes to God thinking that they don't need to change their lives. Think I'm going to accept Christ, but I don't need to change. I don't think anybody has come with, comes to God with that mentality. I don't think so. One cannot live like the world and try to blend Christian living and think it's okay. Now, when I say the world, I'm, talking, I'm not talking about the, things that we, the physical things that we see. I'm talking about the systems that control us. Because there are many things in, that is happening in this world today that is not in alignment with the word of God. Now, there are, th there are things now that we, can, we have to adapt to, but we do not have to adopt it. Adapting and adapting is two different things. For example, you can adopt a child and say that is yours. When you adopt something, you claim it as yours. So when you adopt the things of the world that is, that is contrary to the word of God, you are adopting that thing as yours. But when you adapt, you are changing to what the, to what the environment is, but you're not becoming of it. Because look, we just, we just celebrated Caribbean history here. Each and every island is distinct and different in its own way. Now we adapted when we all cheat because all of us live here in the Virgin Islands. So we adapted to our way of living, but we still have our unique island way of living. Am I right or am I wrong? There's a Dominican way of cooking. There's a St. Vincent way of cooking. There's a Jamaican way of cooking. We all heard some of the, the local foods, the small ackee and saltfish. Selfish done Jamaican way and selfish done in another island way is two different ways, but it's the same food, right? Adapting, but adapting. You can't cook like a Jamaican, but you're from St. Vincent. I don't know if it's possible or not, but I'm just making the point. If you're taught the St. Vincent way or the Antiguan way or the Dominican way to cook a certain food, and then here comes another island that is cooking the same food, but they're taught differently. You can't do this. It's, it's, the food is going to taste great, but how, the, the, the process to how it's done is going to be different because it's taught differently. So you adapt, but you cannot adapt as it's yours. Different ways. That's the point that I was trying to make. So when it comes to the world, we can adapt, but do not adapt the things of the world that is yours because look at what's happening now. Look at the amount of things that the government is putting into play that is now legal. The government is now legalizing a lot of things that is contrary to the word of God. So because the world is 
making it now legal, our government is making it now legal, does it mean we have to adapt it as ours? We do not. No. Let's continue. First and foremost, let us not forget, we are called to be holy. What does holy mean? Set apart. We have to be seen different to the point where, hey, they can point us as if like, that one, not, not him, not her. Not like that. I'll give an example, easy, I mean, friendly example, but easy. We just had carnival season not too long ago. Thursday, they were, whatever Thursday date it was, Juva was taking place. And a lot of the firefighters, they want to enjoy their thing. I'm not knocking them. I got a call the day before. I said, hey, I know you ain't going carnival, so I got overtime for you. Come Thursday in St. John. I took it. Why did they call me? Because they know that I'm not going there. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm not saying that to show off. I'm just saying that there's a truth. If you're set apart and you're different and you're not going to partake in what the things the world do, they can call you out and be like, hey, this is for you. There's a difference in the way how you live your life. So it's important for us to be set apart, different, live our lives wholly unto God. And God will bless us for the way how we live our lives. Honesty. How we treat one another is important as well. Jesus said, in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, reading from the English Standard Version, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus also stated in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, I am giving you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I loved you, so you too are to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you have love and unselfish concern for one another. That is what Jesus said. If you love one another like how I love you, everyone will know. So how you treat someone is very important when it comes to the heart of repentance. If you love that person, how you treat that person, it will, they will recognize that and they know how to approach you because there are many people that accept that have accepted Christ as their Lord and personal Savior, but they are not approachable. They are not friendly. You can't have a, a common conversation with them because if you say the wrong thing, whoop, gunshots fire, proverbially speaking. Not literally, but proverbially speaking. Because I, you were just having a simple conversation. You said one thing, and I was just, having, I was just asking a question. I was just trying to make a statement. But here comes fireworks coming at you. 
but so now people have to tread lightly with what they say to you so be careful the way how you treat people be careful how you treat people now I also said that um, in the past, in time past, that people will manipulate you with the truth. People can use the truth for evil, believe it or not. They would use the truth with malicious intentions. Sad but true. When Satan tempted Jesus after he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, what did Satan do the second time he tempted him? He quoted scripture to Jesus. Now, when anybody quotes scripture to you, you want to think that they're quoting it for your betterment. Am I right or am I wrong? If anybody quotes scripture to you, it is to, you would think they're trying to help you, to better you and to make things right, whatever the situation may be. But that was not Satan's intentions. And guess what? There are people that are doing that right now. Yes. They are using the scripture to manipulate you, to make you worse, to, to, to take you further away from the love of Jesus Christ. These are things that we need to be aware of. Be careful. But he said this, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Psalms 91. Don't forget, Lucifer, which was his name when he was in heaven, that's where he was from. So he knows the word. He knows the word. And here he uses scripture. So that is why we need to know the word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Against God. So when, so when, so when Christ was, was tempted by Satan with the word, Christ answered back with the word. For it is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. Fight fire with fire. And the word of God will always come on top. Will always win. Even though the word of God is truth, Satan used it for evil. And it is right to, is it right? Is it right? Ask this question. Is it right to manipulate people in that manner like how Satan did? Can we be honest to our fellow brethren when things can end amicably, uh, no matter the situation? Can it end in a, nice, in a nice manner? If the answer is no, that's signs that you need to repent. You need to change the way how you think. Are we approachable people? Can we come to you? Can we come to one another in a respectable way? Sit down and hash things out in a peaceful way where there's no bloodshed, no arguments. We may disagree with our points, but there's no love lost. Honesty is key, and how we treat other people 
is also important because if you love people like how I love you, as Jesus says, you are my disciples and everyone will know. But when it comes to our forgiveness, let's talk about forgiveness now. Have you ever done something or said something to someone or did something to someone and it, it's weighing on your heart? Now, they may not publicly, it may not be publicly known what you did, but you know what you did. And it's weighing on your heart to the point where your mood changes. You become fidgety, jumpy, all of a sudden. Why? Because you have that guilt in your heart. You know that you're guilty. You know that, you know that you're wrong. Nobody else may know at the time, but you know the truth. So you snap at people to the point where, hey, what's happening here? Like, I'm like, hey, I was just trying to tell you good morning. What's happening? So much, all that guilt is weighing down on them. What is going on? Like, I could give this, this episode of a TV show I used to watch. You know, um, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, he came, he, he touched the butler because apparently the butler did, did something that he thought was illegal. So one, um, I forgot who it is, touched his shoulder and he was like, he jumped, he's like, stop persecuting me. Then he, do, he didn't do anything, he just touched him to get his attention and he jumped and he said, stop persecuting me. I've done nothing I tell you and he ran away. Because that guilt was laying on his heart. Guiltiness. Pressing against your conscience and you don't know how to react. Whenever we are about to have communion, whether it be on the first Sunday, as we normally do, Pastor Nelson always says, examine yourselves before partaking of the Lord's Supper. Am I correct? Examine yourself. That's, that's something that we need to do. Examine yourself. We need to examine ourselves and ask, did I handle that correct? Did I handle that right? Because it also says in your word, if you have done your brother wrong, but you have a gift that you lay a gift on the altar, go back to your brother and make things right with your brother or sister, then come back and give your offering. Isn't that what the word says? Isn't that what the word says? Forgiveness. That is what that they're talking about right there. Make things right first with your brother or sister. Then come back and go through with the offering that you're trying to give. Let's, let's listen to the word. Let's do what the word says. Ask, as in asking these questions, ask another question to yourself. Was God pleased with the way how you handled that situation? Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4. The Message Bible says it this way. Be alert. If you see your friend going wrong, correct him. If he responds, forgive him. Even if it's personal against you and repeated seven times through the day and seven times he says, I'm sorry, I won't do it again, forgive him. For if you forgive me, if, if you, excuse me, if you forgive men their trespasses, 
neither, if you do not, if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. If you cannot forgive a person that you see, God is not, God is not, is neither going to forgive you as well. That's what the word says. I know of many people that proudly say, I hold grudges. I hold grudges. And some of you may know people as well that say, and probably practice that, that they hold grudges. Whether it be for five years, 10 years, 20 years, they are holding grudges. For what? Making their lives more miserable, raising their blood pressure, getting ulcers in their bodies, causing themselves to get sick because you're harboring this guilt or this hate in your heart instead of you letting it go. They hold that grudge until their dying day. Some people do. I've had a, I had a family dog. My parents, Simone, you, you may remember, we had a dog. Some neighbor's dogs beat up his mother. And he was a young pup at that time. And he saw that and he cried over his mother. His mother recovered, but he held that grudge against those dogs as long as both dogs lived to the point if he saw those dogs in their yard running up and down with their master, his hair would raise up and let off growl within his stomach. That what you like, whoo, like, ah, like he sounded like a lion roar. He hated those dogs because of what they did to his mother. And he held on to it. Now, there are those human beings that do the same thing. They may not raise their hair up, but like, they, something comes within them deep. That hate comes deep within them. And they just want to tear them apart. And that has led to a lot of murders here on this island and throughout this world. Because of unforgiveness. They harbor and hold on to the grudge instead of letting it go. Forgiving and letting go. Now, forgiveness in the Greek means to let go. The Greek word for forgiveness in the Bible means to let go. Let go. That's what forgiveness is. Let go. It don't make sense to say, I'm sorry, and you're still harboring that, that, what, whatever that person did inside. Let it go. If you truly forgive that person for what they did, let it go. And let it be. Let God take control. Let God take control. Because you don't have, you can't control people. You cannot control people. God is in control. How can a husband, wife, son, daughter, or even co-worker live or work together in the same place peaceably and cannot forgive that person for their wrongdoing? Because we have a lot of co-workers, family members that will do us wrong or have done us wrong in our lives. Amen? Now, are we going to continuously, every time we see them, because we, we unless unless their breath is taken out of them, we're going to see them again, God's willing. So are we going to continuously hold that grudge or hold that hate against them every single time? 
What sense does that make? Are you going to stress yourself because every time you see that person, instead of you, hey, look, whatever you did, I forgive. And I'm letting it go and let God take control. When I had my accident, I prayed in my hospital bed in Florida that for that job, up to this day, I've yet to meet him. But I said, Lord, forgive me for harboring any hate in my heart and I forgive that man for what he did to me. Yes, he almost took my life. But Lord, but, but Lord, thank you for saving my life first. But let me, not, let me not hold anything against him. Let him live his life peaceably. And let me not hold any grudge against him. And what has happened since then? I've got married, I have a son, I have a lovely family. And I give God thanks for that. Imagine what would have happened if I held on to that grudge. What would have been led to do? Imagine what could have happened. The kind of thoughts, the sinful thoughts that could have entered into my mind. When, when it says in the word with Judas, Satan entered into Judas before he betrayed Jesus. Satan entered into him and the thoughts came to his mind and therefore what happened with his crucifixion but Satan entered into his mind into his thoughts and therefore Judas went forward and be like look the one I kiss that's the one don't let that hate enter into your mind forgive men for their, trust, for their trespasses what does it say in the Lord's prayer our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That is the word. Forgiveness. There's a, there's a Calypsonian, well, everything not a Calypsonian, but he sang, he sang Calypso, but gospel lyrics. And he, used to, he actually came here a few times um, back in like the mid-90s when um, the evangelist Peter Augustine um, used to come here and have his crusades. And he had a song entitled, Let Me Go. And I'll read you some of the lyrics of that song. The chorus in that song, it says, Let me go, let me go. What you holding me for? You holding me, it not helping me, it not helping you, and that's for sure. Let me go, let me go. You holding yourself back, you preventing God from forgiving you when you hold unforgiveness in your heart. Those are some true lyrics, and I'm sure those lyrics came straight from the Word of God. Forgiveness sets you free from guilt from sorrow and it starts the healing process in your life over whatever that matter may be you repented and was forgiven for if you are extending forgiveness healing process will start in Jesus name finally the restoration part King David said in, I'll read this verse again in Psalm 51 Verse 12, it says, Restore unto me 
the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. So David not only wanted to restore his own life and relationship with God, he wants to teach others the way as well. Because when you, when you, make, when you get your life right and go, get over a situation that was, that was bothering you, now you can freely teach others. So if they end up in a similar situation or same situation, you can alert them and say, hey, look, don't go this way. And teach them the word. What did Jesus say? If I, if my brother had a plank in my eye, but you have a plank in your eye as well, don't go to the brother and say, hey, you have a plank in your eye. Take out the, spank, the plank in your eye first. The speck in your eye first, thank you. And then take out the speck in your brother's eye. That is what the word says. So don't be a hypocrite. Do what you do your right first. So that is why David said, let me teach. I will teach the transgressors your ways, not his way, your ways, the Lord's ways. And sinners shall be converted to you. When David acknowledged and fully confessed in his sins, he hid himself in God. He hid himself in God. In our text in verses, uh, in verses five, and seven, 5 through 7, it says, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. For this cause, everybody, Everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. When you commit a sin, where do you hide yourself? When you commit a sin or do wrong to someone, knowingly you did wrong, where do you hide yourself? Do you hide yourself behind somebody else? Or do you hide yourself behind a prop or, or something else to distract others from what the real situation is? Because many times when you get, in, you, when you get exposed, instead of admitting it straightforward, you put up a small screen to get them distracted so they can lose so people can lose sight of what the real problem is. It's done many times over and it's still going on to this day. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, they sowed fig leaves and they hid. And when they were confronted by God, what happened? He went to Adam. God went to Adam first. And what did Adam do? The woman you gave me gave me the fruit and I ate. 
and he went to Eve. What is it you have done? The serpent. So what did they do? They hid behind instead of hiding in God because God still loved them. God still loved them. Did they, did, they, did they run? Did they sin? Yes. But God still loved them. That agape love that we all should be expressing to one another. They did wrong, but instead of they come and say, you know what, I did wrong. I am sorry. They hid behind the problem and said, the woman, the serpent, instead of, yes, I did do it. I'm sorry. Don't be behind the problem. Hide in God. Hide in God. Because he will never leave you, neither will he forsake you. No matter what you do, once he sees your heart and, he, and his heart is broke, is your broken hearted, he will mend that broken heart together. He will mend that heart together. God does not want you to be burdened by the wrong that you did or have hardened to the point where you harden your heart, just like a Pharaoh hardened his heart. Don't harden your heart like that. To the point you don't even think of seeking any kind of, any kind of repentance. Adam and Eve sinned. But look at the promise that God did with them. He told the serpent that, yeah, you bruise my heel, but I will crush your head. Head meaning authority. He will crush his head. The promise that he gave with Abraham. Abraham lied and said, Stay, um, Sarah is my sister, which is really his wife. He lied. But God still loved Abraham. And what, did, what was the promise of Abraham? To claim and protect his people. Even King David. Shared about King David with, with, uh, with, with, with Uriah's wife Bathsheba. But look at the promise of King David. The promise of King David to provide an eternal king for his people. To the, to the very point. Look, if you remember, with blind Bartimaeus. When blind Bartimaeus was, was at the... Was at the um, he help me out. He at the wayside. He was saying, "Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me." They tried to hush him. I said, "He said even louder, Jesus, thou son of David." So imagine if David did not repent of his sins to God. Imagine the denial of, he would have been denying his own self the promise God had in store for him. He would have never realized and truly appreciate what God is going, was going to do in his life. Just like how we, we repent to God, we have to repent to, to, towards, towards people, how we treat people. If we love, if we say, we cannot say we love God and hate our brother and sister. We cannot, no matter who that person may be. Silly arguments, silly fights, silly breakups, silly deaths have happened because of the lack of unforgiveness, the lack of understanding, and the lack of love being shown to all peoples. The lack of these things. So just like in the people in the past, Let's seize, when I say people in the past, I'm talking people in the world. Let's seize 
that hope that God has in store for us in our lives. So as I close, let us work on our honesty with people. Let us be honest with, our, with, with one another. Let us show that agape love, that, that God's love, Christ's love towards people. For if you love your brother and sister like how Christ loves you, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Forgive one another. No matter what it is, if you forgive, if he comes to you seven times, forgive that person seven times over. Keep forgiving them. Unlimited forgiveness. And let the restoration process continue and be in you. Let the Father of God work, work that love and that restoration process in you and let you be made whole. If Jesus is the Lord of your life, let him be the Lord of your life. Repent. Repentance is so key for us to live Christian kingdom lives. We have to make our lives right. So if there's anything that we're harping against any person that we love or we know, make that right today. If there's anyone that we have not forgiven and we still harboring unforgiveness in your heart, forgive that person today. And let God be in control of your life. Father, I thank you for your word. We pray for anyone that is dealing with any unrepentance in their heart, Lord. So they, they change their lives, you change their lives not for themselves, but for you, so they can give you the glory and give you the honor that is due to your name in the name of Jesus, Lord. We thank you for this word. Let it not return to you void. Glorify yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. I just want to thank you for listening to today's sermon here at the Bavoni Baptist Church, where sharing Christ is every Christian's business. So as we depart, go and serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.